ladies and gentlemen, it's another episode of The Lanyard. Each week I like to bring you an interview with somebody doing something cool for a community or a company. Today we're on the road and we're up here with Phil Schreck, Senior Meteorologist at KSFY. Phil, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming up. I appreciate it. I know mostly people come down and visit you, right? So this is I feel like it's an honor that you came up here. So. <laughs> I have recorded a few on the road. Uh, this is the first time with this board up here, which is working so far. Seems like it. <laughs> oh, if I can kill that music, I still hear it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, you know, and I was telling you before we started this that I like that music. I, I, I've listened to a few of your um, podcasts already, and I like that music. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah. Well, the... Um, the thing about coming to Yankton, of course, is that that we have uh, we have fun things to do in the summer. But I have a bar too, so you're missing out on that. But in yeah. your case, I did bring beer to you. I know so. it's awesome. I, I I haven't tried it yet, but it looks really good. <laughs> Very tempting. I have to work today yet, so I'll have to try it later. Yeah, which we should probably talk about right now. What does sure. a typical day look like? Well, are you uh, always on call? Um, no. Uh, well, what happens is our on call schedule is. Um, well, let's say I'm at work. I usually come to work about two o'clock on a typical day and we start recording a few, you know, afternoon teases and things like that. And I do a little radio stuff. We have a, we have a contract with, uh, um, results radio here in town. They own a few stations. So we record weather forecasts for them. So that's probably the first thing I do is those radio forecasts after looking over the weather charts and things like that to see what's going on. Then we record our updates. Then I start making my maps and things like that. Um, to be ready for the five o'clock show. Yeah. But if there's severe weather, um, I won't get a dinner break, obviously, which, which is fine. I mean, that's what I'm here for. Um, usually I can go home after the six o'clock news and come back hour, hour and a half later, depending on what the weather's doing. Um, lately it's been really quiet, you know, during the evening, so I can have a nice dinner break. Um, but if there's severe weather, I stay through the dinner break and I stay through 2 a.m. That's, that, that's my on-call schedule is basically noon to 2 a.m. Okay. And then if there's severe weather still going on at 2 a.m., Sean Cable's going to come in and take over, or Sam Gabrielli, whoever's on uh, schedule for that next morning. And it's, nor- it's normally Sean. It feels like you've missed out on a lot of fun this year so far. There's no severe weather. You know, at my age, that's fine with me. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the type of guy who's all gung-ho for storms and stuff anymore. You know, it's just like... And plus, it's, it's scary for people. It's dangerous. Yeah. I'd rather have it all stay away. I, I remember I tweeted out, about a year ago, there was a there was a a severe weather risk for our area, pretty high risk, which and it was pretty, you know, um, unusual for lately. But I took a picture of you can get a picture of all these storm chasers because they all have like GPS and they were like ants coming to a picnic and they were all just like heading toward yes. South Dakota. And I remember tweeting out something like, uh, you know, welcome to South Dakota, but I hope you're all disappointed because you know I don't want that. I mean, yeah. Um, so. Um, I'd rather not have that at my age anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember one of those guys, uh, one of the more famous guys. He got into some trouble recently, didn't he? He had a vehicle like turnover on him. That that has happened. Um, I don't yeah. know if that was, you know, I, I don't. There's Reed Timmer's the guy that he's comes the to one. Me. I'm oh, is talking he the guy? About, okay. Yeah, and he's um, come through my town, Yankton, oh, yeah. quite a bit. You know, yeah. you know, there there are some legitimate storm chasers, you know, and I, and who do it. I think maybe not just for the excitement. A, a lot of them. I don't want to generalize too much, but there's a lot of folks who 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 are a little reckless and they do it just for the sure. excitement. I can understand people doing it either for research or to help other people 
um, or to help out with warnings and tracking tornadoes and things like that. But I, I have a problem with people who just do it for the excitement and, and like take people on tours, you know, and get dangerously close to storms. Yeah. That, that, re- that really bugs me. Well, there's probably, you know, doing it for the legit reasons, I understand. But there's, you mentioned that they, they would be uh, maybe doing it for the adrenaline. But I think there's also another group that's doing it for the fame, right? I mean, if you want a quick Instagram following, yep. that's probably one way to do it, right? Yeah, and this, in this, inst- or, you know, um, uh, social media day and age, yeah, that's, that's part of it too. People just do it to see yeah. if they can, they can get their picture or their video on, on TV or, or whatever. So, yeah, that's part of it too. Yeah, and they get access to those amazing clouds, so they're going to yeah. have better photos than most. That is true, yeah. Well, um, so we are actually in a studio. The mm-hmm. last time I recorded up here, we were I was out at the Zeal Center for Entrepreneurship, but now I'm in the KSFY studio. This is where everything happens. Yeah, it is. And, and we've been here, boy, it's gone fast, almost three years now. It'll be three years, I think, in October. I was in the old building at 300 North Dakota Avenue. Yeah for 27 years. And I, I'm not sure how long KSFI was in there before that. And I kind of, at first I kind of missed that place. I mean, I, you know, that's 27 years of my life that I spent there, you know, a, a lot of it anyway. And uh, so I kind of missed, I, I kind of missed that. And it, you know, it's, it's a, that downtown area when I first got here was pretty grimy. I mean, it, and it wasn't, there was nothing to do. I mean, that's maybe that's another subject we can talk about later, but Boy, the way Sioux Falls has changed now, oh, yeah. there's so much stuff to do now. But yeah, Down I, by I, the old studio, you had the sex shop right across the street. That's still there. And then there was a Eastern European like uh, store, which yep. I think is still there, too. Well, that might have been taken over. Uh, the, the city government built a new oh. building there. City offices are there. Yeah. It's a really nice building. So, you know, you, were, you remember the Pomp Room, right? I do, a- and I have a question gone? about that okay. for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you want to do that now or later? Um, well, <laughs> I have a tip on you that you have a cheap trick story. I do. I do. Oh, that's great. Um, well, I've been a cheap trick fan since 19, boy, 79 when the, when their at Budokan album came out, I was living back, actually living in Korea at that time, which is maybe another thing we can talk about. Um, and so that Budokan's in Japan. So I thought I gotta get this, but anyway, I love that album. So I've, I was their fan for a long time and, and think 1970, 1997, they came to the pomp room and, uh, there was a friend of mine who used to work here, and you know I can't remember his name. He he went to I think he was in Duluth the last I heard. But anyway, after the after the concert, he's like, "Hey, let's let's just go see if we can get in the in the cheap trick bus." And he started walking right into the oh, bus. Oh come on! I'm like, you can't do that. <laughs> so anyway, they told you know they they kindly told him that he had to turn around and leave. Um, but two of the band members, actually three of them, um, Robin Zander, who's the lead singer. Um, Rick Nielsen, their lead guitarist, and then their bassist, I can't remember his name, Tom, Tom something or other. Anyway, they were all walking. They were, I guess they were staying at the Holiday Inn, which isn't too far from the Pomp Room at that time. And they were walking over there, and we just started walking next to Robin Zander, who's their lead singer. And we, he was the nicest guy in the world. We talked about, I had an Iowa State shirt on. You know, he said, oh, I'm from Illinois. And we got to talking about that. And I told him I was a big fan and everything. Just, just a real down-to-earth guy. And then we get into <laughs> the Holiday Inn, where, and I, was, I followed him up to the check-in desk. And he walks up there, and, and there was a young lady behind the desk. I, and, and she was like, had this starry look in her eyes, like, oh, my gosh, look who's walking towards this desk. Phil Shrek. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought she was talking, you know, thinking of Robin Zander. And she yeah. goes, Wait a minute, aren't you? Aren't you? And I thought she was going to say from Cheap Trick, 
No, she goes, aren't you Phil Shrek? And, and Robin Zander looked at me, and, and uh, he goes, oh, I guess I'm with somebody famous or something like you, that. That, that got, was really cool. You outranked him. I guess. And then I got some, uh, some guitar picks from Rick Nielsen. So. Did you go up to their uh, hotel suite and have no. a party? No, I didn't do that. You just walked into you know, their hotel room and then said, bid you adieu, gentlemen. <laughs> I was lucky just to be out because at that point, um, well, at that point we had – a three-year-old boy and a and a one-year-old daughter. Yes, and so I didn't get out very much. Welcome to my world. Yes, yeah. I have a three-year-old and a two-year-old. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I so I couldn't stay out very late. I understand. Yeah. I usually have to fit it in with, uh, well, the kids. We try to get them to sleep around eight thirty or nine. Yep. Maybe I could run down to the bar and check out a musical act at sure. ten thirty. Yep, they're asleep. Yeah, things things change when you have kids. They really do. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and you have five, five, and a set of twins. Right. Now, the twins are 13. They're going to go into eighth grade next year. I have a daughter who's 19. She just turned 19, uh, a student at South Dakota State. And then I have a daughter who just graduated from the University of Minnesota. She's going to go into nursing. And my oldest son, Jake, is 25 now, and he's teaching English up in Madison High School. So Very good. Yeah. Nobody following you into the, the family business of meteorology? It doesn't, doesn't sound like it. No, it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Um, my, my two boys, the, the youngest, one of them, Luke, is... He, he loves the theater. He's in plays all the time. So I'm anticipating he's going to be a, a famous actor, I hope, to support mom and dad when, yes. when they're older. And then <laughs> uh, my, the, other, the other one, Gabe, he's uh, pretty athletic, so he loves to play uh, sports, and maybe he'll be a famous athlete, and so we'll, we'll be set in our old age. <laughs> so one of the things you talked about was living in Korea, yeah. and I think that's where you graduated high school. Right. So tell me it about <clears throat> that. Well, my dad was in the military. He was in the Army, uh, a dentist. Uh, a dentist a dent- in the army. That's right. Yeah, yeah they, they need those too. Sure. And uh, uh, at, at first he was a, just in general dentistry. And then uh, we lived in the Kansas City area because they, we lived in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas for a while, um, which is how I became a big fan of the Royals and Chiefs and, and all Kansas City sports. But um, then they sent him to UMKC, Missouri, Kansas City, to learn to be an orthodontist. So when we went to Korea, he was an orthodontist working on, on kids. In fact, he put braces on me. Um, and, uh, kids for the, the GIs kids. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Military yeah. family kids. Uh, well, so we have been living in, I didn't mind the move. We moved every two or three years as I was growing up and I didn't, I really didn't mind those moves, but the last one was tough because we lived in Fort Sill, Oklahoma for a little over four years. And so it was my senior year of high school that we had to move to Korea. So here I am, yes. you know, senior year in high school, leaving all my friends, leaving the school that I loved and going to a, a foreign country, yes, it was an, a United States military base, but you still, you know, you could tell you were in a foreign country. Yes. Um, but, so that's why, I, that's, that's where I went to my senior year of high school, and I learned to love it. I mean, at first, it probably took me a good three or four, maybe even half a year before I got to the point where I accepted the fact that I'm here and I can't do anything about it, I might as well enjoy it. So I started to learn some of the language, I went off base and and started, you know, kind of getting into the culture, you know, experiencing the culture and the food and just what it was like in Korea. A lot of people didn't do that. A lot of kids my age, they were like, I'm not going to go off base. You know, I don't want to, I don't want anything to do with Korea. I just want to be here with my friends, which is fine, um, understandable. But I just learned to love Korean food. and, and Ogoki. Uh, oh, gosh, yes. Um, Kalbi, Kalbi is ribs. Uh, my favorite thing is was something called nakji bogum, which is octopus legs. Excuse me. Um, so I learned to eat octopus legs, um, after my senior year of high school, I, we still stayed there another year and 
I didn't go to school at that point. I stayed in Korea, but I made money doing what we're doing. I would sit here, not on, not on a microphone or anything, but I would just sit and talk with Korean college students and, and they would pay me. All they wanted to do was practice, practice their English because they had learned English from first grade on up or whatever, but they never got to just sit there with a, an English speaking person yes. and just talk. So we would go to restaurants, bars, coffee shops, and they would pay for everything. And then they would pay me on top of that just to sit and talk to them. And after a while, I felt guilty taking their money because it was just like, this is great, you know. You enjoyed it too. Exactly. Yeah. And so they and they would have me try all this stuff, you know. They'd they'd have, you know, oh he I'm sure they were thinking to themselves, he's never gonna eat this, he's never gonna eat this. <laughs> so I would eat everything that they gave to me and it was I really liked it. So And I can't imagine you were able to keep in touch with any of those people. This is before no. the internet. Right. No. Um and we didn't get to be really close or anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's a, a lot of friends that I that I had made in Korea um that the way it worked was if I wrote a, when I came back to the States, if I wrote a letter, it took a week to get there. And then if I'm lucky and they wrote back right away, I'd get another, I'd get a letter back from them in a week. So, the, so we're talking two weeks yes. that you would get a response from somebody. And now it's instantaneous, you know, it's yeah, crazy I know. when I think about it. So yeah, maybe you put more thought into those correspondences. Oh, and though. they had to be long yeah. because there's a lot of stuff you wanted to maybe just get out there that you didn't want to wait another two weeks to have to do that. So have exactly. you been back to Korea since I haven't, I'd love to, yeah. my mom and dad have been, Hey, um, by the way, what did your mom do while your dad was, was fixing teeth in Korea? She, uh, she raised us. We, she had seven kids. Ooh. Um, actually eight. If you want to be, uh, you know, specific, the first one passed away shortly after he was born. Uh, but then she had seven more, <laughs> uh, no wait a minute. Yeah. Seven. There was, there was nine total of us. So seven kids, uh, and then, and then mom and dad. So there's nine of us. But, but in Korea, there, we weren't all there because Alan, my oldest, was in the military. He stayed in the States. Um, Tim and Steve were in college. So it was just, so there would have been uh, five, six of us in, does that sound right? Yeah, six of us yeah. in Korea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when your dad gets back to the States, yep. he, he still... Private practice? No, he still had a couple years to go in oh. the military. Um, and he was, when he got back, he was promoted to full colonel, which is really good. Um, and we went back to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. So that was the second time we had lived there. Um, so then he retired in 82. So we moved back to the States in 79 and he retired in 82 and has been taking it easy ever since. Excellent. He's 87 now. Awesome. Um, my mom's 82 and they're living in Templeton, Iowa, which is about three hours from here. Well, you know, the, the inspiration for Templeton whiskey, which I know isn't actually produced there, but it is, it's going, it is now it's going to be again. It, it is. Um, you know, it, they, or it was no, never produced there, but it was bottled there, correct? So right. it was like made in Indiana, exactly, shipped over and then bottled. But now they have built a whole distillery there, so you you should check it out sometime. Take I'd their tour, um, and they'll and they give you at the end of the tour, they give you a, some, a sample of what they call their Templeton Rye Six Year Reserve. You can get the six year in stores, but you can't get the six year reserve. Uh, which is really good. Yeah. And uh, but now, but they are now going to start actually doing the whole process in Templeton. I don't know if they're ready to do that now because I think that what, what they've made is being aged and it's not ready for distribution. Yes. But, but I think they they realize that if if to be really Templeton Rye, they have to do the whole thing there. Yeah. Which it, so supposedly it's like Capone's recipe. Well, it, it was his favorite whiskey. His favorite whiskey. Uh, yes. Um. It the the recipe actually began in Templeton. 
Um, the, the rest, and if you go there, you get the whole spiel, and they talk about, they use, the, um, I think the guy's name is Alphonse Kirchhoff, who, who was a former Templeton resident, and it's his recipe that they use, but somehow um, Al Capone, uh, somehow, some way, was able to try some, and he, and he said, I, I want this, you know, I like this, I want this, and so that's how it became famous. So he called it the good stuff, and that's why it's on, that's what it says on the label, too, the good stuff. Yeah, public enemy number one. Exactly. <laughs> or maybe that was Dillinger. Probably I, both of them at yeah, some points, right? So uh, how big a town, by the way, is Templeton? Maybe 300. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's not very big. So this distillery is a, is a big oh, deal. Oh, it really is. Yeah. yeah. So early. off to college you go. Yep. Where did you go and why? Uh, I went to Iowa State because... Cyclones. Yes. Um, well, because even though that we had been moved around all my life and re- never... Other than a year when my dad was in Vietnam, we lived in lived in Iowa. Uh, we were technically Iowa residents, so I was able to get instinct tuition. And they had a meteorology program, and I knew I wanted to be a meteorologist. Um, yeah, how did you know that? Why? Uh, that started back when we were in Oklahoma. When I was, we we were stationed in Oklahoma from 1973 to 1977. So I was the, from the age of 12 to 16. So kind of your formative years, you know, and. Uh, Oklahoma is in the middle of Tornado Alley, you know, and so we would get all these tor- storms coming through and and uh, tornado warnings, tornado watches and stuff. And I'm like, I, I really wanted to know. It really interested me how this stuff was happening, what was causing the, these storms all the time. And at that when I was probably 14 years old, I knew I wanted to be a meteorologist, not necessarily being on TV. That didn't really cross my mind until later. Um, but that's how I became interested in weather was living in Oklahoma. It wasn't the adrenaline rush. No. <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, maybe that's part of it when you're a kid, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you, and you know, the, the, the cop car comes by and, and, you know, and says, everybody get to your basement, you know, because yeah. at that time you didn't have phones or anything. And, and, and so the warning uh, process is a little, was a little different than it is now, where it's a lot, I think a lot easier to get warnings, although you'd get them on TV and stuff, but just, yeah, it, it, it was, I guess, kind of exciting, but it was more just intellectually stimulating, I guess. Yeah, now you can alert my phone just like, uh, well, just like Donald Trump did that one time where you, everybody's phone in the country <laughs> oh, that's right. buzzes yeah. out. <laughs> yes. So you head off to, to Iowa State to, yep. to go to meteorology school. I went, they have, at first I didn't, I didn't declare my major as meteorology because I wanted to see if there was anything else that might uh, pique my interest yeah. more than that. But then I, after about a year, I just said, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. So I was able to take all, my, all the courses that you have to take, all the you know, preliminary stuff, um, ref- you know, fulfill your requirements and things like that. Because you don't really get into your meteorology, the media and meteorology stuff, until your third or fourth year anyway. So. Yeah, so, so what kind of classes then? Well, you know, uh, one of the reasons also that I, I was undeclared is because I knew to be a meteorologist, you had to take a lot of calculus, a lot of physics, a lot of chemistry, and I wasn't good at any of that stuff. <laughs> and so, and like, why am I going to be a meteorologist? Um, but you have to take all that stuff. And so I, I uh, slogged my way through it. Um, I barely passed physics, to, to, to tell you the truth. I took a couple of calculus classes over again. You guys just didn't get it. But... One day, I remember one day I was looking at, well, for example, in chemistry, that was tough for me too. I remember one day I was studying for a test and I was looking at the periodic chart. And then it was like an epiphany where I was looking at this thing and it, it all, it, it was like, oh my gosh, this all makes sense. I don't, the way it was all laid out and everything, it's like, this is like perfect. This periodic table is like, 
I can't believe I didn't see that before. It and made sense. It all made sense. And the same thing happened with math. I read a book called, it's not, it's about math. It's called, it's not, Adi- it's not aptitude, it's attitude. And I decided that if I change my attitude toward math and not be afraid of numbers, and, and, I, and, and I remember one day too in math class, everything just started making sense. And it became cool to me. Math and physics and chemistry became cool, whereas before it was like frightening. Is and it just maybe putting in the time? Is it like anything else? That's where part of it too. Getting the hours? That's part of it too. You know, I, I, I made the dean's list my first um, semester down at I Actually, they had quarters back then. Because um, I, when I went to school, I was like, I, I was, didn't know anybody. I was kind of like scared, you know. So I, all I did was just had my, my nose in the books. And, and then after a while, you kind of get, you get into the college, uh, you know, what college kids do sometimes is you go out and you party and you drink. Do stuff. Yes. And uh, which is fine up to a point. But, you know, if you do it too much, you know, your grades start going down and this and that. So um, that didn't help me. But I finally got off that kick, too, and, and decided if I want to do something in my life, I, I need to I need to get this done and and and, and study and, and get out of there and, and get into the real world. Did you keep a job in college? I did. Um, I worked for the residence halls. I started the summer after my freshman year. Um, basically, you're cleaning rooms, painting rooms, dorm rooms. I mean, dorm rooms can get pretty, pretty gross. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, especially at those, those like, <laughs> uh, end-of-the-year parties that you have to clean up afterwards. But I made pretty good money, um, and I lived, on, lived in Ames uh, with other friends. That, that Some of them were working with me, and um, that was kind of, you know, the, it, it was kind of nice, too, because the, the, it's not quite so hectic um, in town, obviously, because all the kids are gone. And, and so it's a lot more laid back feeling. And um, so I did that for basically three years, I think, in the summer and, and, some, and, off, and, and part-time during the school year, too, I would do some of that. Um, but, well, I, I can talk about this now or later, but I also got a job at a TV station on, on campus there, too. If you want me to go into that. Yeah, well, that was probably a pivotal moment. It was. Um, what happened was, this is how I got into the TV business. I started taking some some broadcasting classes. Uh, I thought, well, that sounds interesting. I'm, not, it might be something that I want to do. And they had broadcasting classes there too, radio and some television stuff. And the end of my junior year, my one of my advisors, my advisor called me, and he said there is an opening for an internship at KWWL TV in Waterloo, Iowa. I think you'll be good at. And I that hadn't even crossed my mind, you know. And he, he and he's. That and that was a turning point in my life, really. Yes. Because I said, okay. He said, you got to go down. You got to you got to get a picture taken. You got to send it there. You got to give him a resume. And 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 I ended up getting it. It was a paid internship, believe it or not. I mean, that's like unheard of. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got three hundred bucks every two weeks uh, at an internship. You know, so that helped pay for my rent. I paid. I stayed in a really lousy um, place. It was a hundred dollars a month, I think it was. Um, but. I didn't spend much time there. I mean, basically, I would go to the station every day, um, go to maybe go to a friend's house or something and have dinner and you know, watch TV or whatever, and then go back to my apartment just for the night and then do the same thing over again. So I didn't really need a nice place. But yes. Waterloo, have you been there? No. Not the nicest town. Um, and they, they've had some economic... Boy, I'm going to get letters and emails well, on that. Just kidding. Well, <laughs> they've had some economic difficulty. I mean, they, uh, just imagine if, let, let's say, if Morell closed down. Yes. What that would do to Sioux Falls. Yeah. Well, they had a big packing plant in Waterloo years ago that closed down. I think it just really decimated a large part of their um, economy years ago. And uh, maybe they're still 
I haven't been there for a long time, so yeah. maybe they're climbing out of it. But um, anyway, it wasn't the nicest town. I, I, I'm sure it's better now. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, um, the, the, the station was great. The guy that I worked with, Craig Johnson, was a really nice guy. He was uh, so, so understanding and, and um, great mentor, great teacher. He did a great job. What, would, what kind of advice did you get from him? Um, just watching, not, not necessarily advice, but just watching how he worked. He was so calm, cool, and collected all the time. I never, never saw him got mad, get mad that I remember. Um, and, and just watching him during severe weather, just being the, the calm voice, the influence of, of, uh, keeping people reassured during the adults in the room. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I remember thinking, this is the way to do it. You know, you don't want to scare people. You don't want to hype things up. You don't want, you don't want to get all technical and, and, uh, just get, let people know what they need to know. But know? there's probably lots of pressure to hype it up, right? I mean, does that make people flip on the TV? Um, there may be. There isn't here, and I, I've never done that. Um, at KSFY, it's, I mean, we're all about, you know, like one of our promos, I like to say that we're, we're you've heard about the calm before the storm. We're, we try to be the calm during the storm, you know? So, I mean, I guess that is that is what some people do, but we don't hear. Yeah. So... so when you're in meteorology school, what does your class look like? Who is taking that program with you? How many people? And are they all broadcasters? Are no. They, tell me about that. In fact, that's, that's one of the things that, I, to be honest with you, I had a little bit of a bad taste um, when I graduated from Iowa State because it almost seemed like they looked down on the people who wanted to go into TV. Uh, I think they were more, they wanted people to go into research and, and um to go work for the National Weather Service, which is fine. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. I, I guess my I, and maybe it was just me, but I, I got this from other uh, friends too who went went into broadcast, and they kind of got the same feeling that um, they just thought that, and maybe at that time, you know, it, it was that way where um, TV meteorologists weren't um, looked upon very highly where I think now that's kind of changed. And most people now that you see on TV are actually trained meteorologists. Um, and, and that way, yeah, it, was like, it wasn't. There was a difference between a weatherman and a meteorologist. When you, so when I grew up in Webster, South Dakota, and I think I saw you on KABY. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. Yep, which was like an affiliate in Aberdeen. Right. But you guys actually just put it all under one brand of KSFY eventually. Right, exactly. Yeah. So we had KSFY, KEBY, KPRY was in peer. We called it the eyewitness news network there when, I, when yeah. I first started here, but it was really, it made it sound a lot, a lot different than it really was. It was just us in the studio in Sioux Falls using three different antennas, you know, setting up but, the broadcast. But you did some custom branding too, oh, right? Yeah, we like did. you would say like, Hey, we're back with KEBY. We, we and, actually did something called the average during the weather cast, before the actual, uh, before the actual news, let's say about nine thirty for the ten o'clock news, we would record a, a specific weathercast for Aberdeen, and then a, and then a, a separate specific weathercast for the pier area. So that would be we called the Aberdeen insert and the pier insert. So in other words, during the actual live broadcast, when people in Sioux Falls were seeing the live weather, oh, we would insert the Aberdeen forecast for people watching on that tower up there. A little bit of magic. Yes. So they would actually be seeing the Aberdeen thing that we recorded 
beforehand. Same thing for people in pier. Now, if there were severe weather or some active weather going on, we wouldn't we wouldn't do that because you wouldn't want somebody to watch something that was a half hour old if there was some yes. bad weather going on. But th- yeah, we would try to. Uh, but now we've changed that a little bit. But we still do. You know, we'll still do a, a KSFY seven day forecast, an Aberdeen seven day forecast, and a pier seven day forecast during our shows now that's all everything that people are seeing is live everywhere yes so and how that how that so i think what prompted that question was that when you were on the news in say maybe the 90s mm-hmm. i felt like maybe there were more weathermen and then it became a trend of becoming meteorologists i think so yeah i, th- I think you're right yeah um and you know and, and then and back- the difference is what uh, well, I mean, the training. You, you have, yeah, you have a you have a degree in meteorology. You so you went to school and actually were trained in in meteorology. Maybe not not being on TV, but you have a knowledge of. You have a degree in meteorology, so you should you should know what you're talking about. So a weatherman would read somebody else's work. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, all all meteorologists are weathermen. Not all weathermen. But are not all weathermen. So does that make sense? Yeah, yeah so. absolutely. So if, all whiskeys are all bourbons are whiskeys, not all whiskeys exactly. are bourbons. <laughs> so if somebody wants to call me a weatherman, that's fine. But yeah. I, I'm also a meteorologist. So yeah. And so what what acronyms go after you, or what letters go after your name then? Uh, well, there's I guess there's uh, AMS. I've got the AMS seal of approval, American Meteorological Society seal of approval, which is something that you, what basically what what you do is you you first of all you you have to be a meteorologist. Uh, at least you you used to. I don't know if they changed that. Um, but then you have to record yourself on three different occasions doing a weathercast, and then you send it in to the American Meteorological Society, and then they have people on the board of broadcast meteorology who, well, I don't know how many people there are, but they watch your, your weathercast to make sure that what you're saying makes sense, it's scientifically accurate, and basically that you know what you're talking about and you're not steering people the wrong way or maybe overhyping stuff yeah, or right. anything like that, so... Well, there's a lot more that I want to talk to you about. We okay. haven't even got into the Kansas City Royals. We <laughs> haven't got into a lot of the fun things. We're going to do that. We're going to take a little break and be back with Phil Shrek. The presenting sponsor of The Landard is Ben's Brewing Company. We are a brewery, tap room, and speakeasy located in Yankton, South Dakota. Our beers are on tap in several South Dakota cities. Visit us online at bensbrewing.com. Good people drink Ben's beer. Hey, Lanyard listeners. It's your favorite cobblers, Brennan and Mandy. Well, we know Ben has kept you pretty up to date on all the craziness happening at Boston Shoes to Boots lately. Yes, we are in the middle of a remodel and store floor expansion. And we need the space. Boy, do we. Yes, since taking on this adventure in 2016, we've continually added brands that we felt pretty good about and that could fill a need in our store and in the community. Echo has been a big hit among men and women. Not only are their shoes comfortable, but they're well-made and stylish. We have these adorable slip-ons for women that we cannot keep on the shelves. I have them in all three colors, the black, the rose, and the pewter. Yes, she does. And for guys, they make classic styles that pair great with jeans, shorts, and slip-on dress shoes because who wants to tie these days? No one. We've also brought in Chaco. These are the strappy-looking sandals that are all the rage on college campuses. Yep, I got myself a pair to feel young again. And you know what? It worked. It did, huh? It sure did. I took them on my recent camping trip because you can take them to the beach. We went hiking and biking, and they gave me great support and comfort while I was being active and through the rest of those long summer days. 
Thanks for listening to The Lanyard and stop in to Boston Shoes to Boots, where service and style can't be beat. Or visit us online at bostonshoestoboots.com. All right, we are back with Phil Schreck. We are in the KSFY studio. I feel like I'm sitting in your seat. Is this your seat? It is. Yeah, that's where I usually sit and do my work on that monitor right there. That's great. Yeah, well, it's very comfortable over here. <laughs> and uh, behind me, there's a lot of, well, just regular PCs now, but you're running some sophisticated software that I don't have access to, I assume. Right. It's uh, We get our information from, it's all got, come through the internet. It used to be satellite. Yeah. Uh, and then it, before that, it was fax machines and things like that. Uh, and you know, teletype or whatever. Um, but now it's all done through the internet, so you hope the internet doesn't go down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we get all, all of our information from a company called the Weather Company, of all, of all things. It's actually, they actually, it's two different companies that merged. It was Weather Services International and Weather Central, and they merged and became the Weather Company. But that's where we get all of our information from, um, you know, wh- whether it's computer models, radar pictures, satellites, weather map, I mean, everything comes from them. And they're based out east in the Boston area. So even though we're a long way away, I mean, we get things instantaneously. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we get all kinds of local information, too, from the local National Weather Service offices and local observers and things like that. So is that the same information, then, that your competitors have? Everybody using the same service? Um, I Pretty much. I think... Uh, I think Kello also uses the weather company. I think KDLT might use AccuWeather. I'm not real sure. But basically, it's all the same information coming from different different places. And then what happens? You have to interpret that? You do, yeah. I mean, uh, that's that's the job of, of the meteorologist is take all this inf- information. And even though everybody's getting the same info, you basically use your training in that to try to figure out what the weather's doing. So it's, then it's up to the person who's... who's uh, you know, reading all that stuff. There are different models, and you have to pick a model that you feel comfortable with, or yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's the American model is called the GFS. There's the European model. People always go, "Why are you using the European model? We're, we live in the United States." Well, it's called the European model because it's based out of Europe. I, I'm not sure where at, but it, it's the same thing as the American model. It takes information from all over the world and puts out um, basically a computer forecasts of what. The, it thinks the the weather's going to be doing over the next several days. So, um, but yeah, there's 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 you know uh, several different computer models that we use, and and then uh, they have to interpret them. Is it is it an automatic process these days? With everything else that we're doing in technology, we would take repetitive tasks and we would try to automate them so that the work's not so hard. Is that what's happened to your business or not? Um, s- uh, Somewhat, whereas, you know, before with, well, for example, something as simple as a, as a map with temperatures on it. In the past, when I first started, you had to plot every single one of those temperatures on the map by, you know, by hand. Well, now it's all, it's, sure. it's all, it's there. You know, you call it up and it's there. Um, or, uh, you know, a jet stream map or, or a satellite picture, a satellite loop over 12 hours, whereas before you had to render all that, uh, you know, Put it in, and sometimes that would take an hour to, to do a twelve-hour satellite loop or something like that. Now that's all automatic. So, but as far as the forecasting part of it is concerned, that's still I think probably the most time-consuming part of the whole thing is you still have to sit down and use your brain and and, and try to figure out what the weather's going to do. Are there more jokes about weathermen or <laughs> lawyers? I don't know. I, <laughs> maybe it's equal. You know, I always get the. Oh, I wish, you know, I could have a job where I'm wrong 50% of the time yeah, and yeah. still get paid, that kind of thing. So um, 
I feel like uh, in the last couple of years, though, some of that's come home where where um, schools maybe been called off on days and people are wondering if it's right. And then it's like, oh, it was super right. You know, we, <laughs> we didn't necessarily see things coming. And all of a sudden, oh, it's another 500 year flood that we seem to have like every year now. Yeah, um, it's gotten as far as the forecast is concerned, is concerned, it's gotten a lot better. Yeah. I mean, um, especially the short term stuff. Um, and even the longer, like the seven day forecasts now are so much better than they used to be. I mean, it used to be, I would tell people I'm giving, I'm going to give you the seven day forecast, but after two days, just, it's all just a crap shoot, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, but anymore, I mean, we're, we're pretty good up to, I, I'd say about five days, the accuracy is pretty good. And even the, the last two days it drops down, but it's still a lot better than it used to be. Uh, and, and as far as like calling off school and, and things like that is concerned, I, I, I always, you know, although it could be an inconvenience to people, I, I always err on the side of, um, you know, safety. You know, if it looks like we're going to get a blizzard, if everything looks like we're going to going to get a winter storm, that's going to be really bad. I, I think we should call off school and, yeah. you know, and, and not take the chance. Yeah, boy, we we had a lot of snow days down in Yankton, South Dakota this uh, year. And years ago, we never did. Um, but part of that was policy. And, and part of it is I'm wondering, has the weather changed? And and uh, that may be a bigger global warming type question, but in your time, in 33 years in meteorology, is that right? Yeah, I started, well, if you want to count 1985 when I started doing weather on, how many years is that? 20, oh, 34 now? 34. Yeah, at, at my internship, I actually was able to, they let me do a couple of noon shows yeah. towards the end of the internship. So let's say, so 1985. Um, but yeah. I, uh, like this year, people would say we went right from, from winter to hot, we didn't get right. a spring. Is that true? I mean, uh, I mean, obviously you can feel that it's true, but is it a trend? Is the bigger question. Uh, I, I believe it is. You know, I people always ask me if I believe in climate change and global warming and things like that, and and and, and I do. I mean, and I, and and people ask me to explain why, and what I tell them is that it's kind of like being kind of like being a doctor. I'm not comparing myself to a doctor, but let's say I mean they're different. They're different kind of doctors. For example. There's a there could be an orthopedic surgeon who who I, I got an ankle replacement last year. Which, by the way, was great. I you know my ankle feels great. But you wouldn't go to him if you have a problem with your with your heart. You know you you go to a different kind of doctor. So what I'm saying is, I'm a meteorologist. I'm not a climatologist, but I believe the climatologist. So I I have total trust in the in the 97 percent of the the climatologists around the world who are scientists who say global warming is happening and, and, you know, you're always going to you know, have some detractors, but when the vast majority of um, scientists who, who study the climate say that this is happening, I believe them. So, uh, and you can't, you can't really pinpoint one specific thing and say, this is caused by global warming or climate sure. change. But if there's a bunch of things happening, like there have been, um, I think that's, you know, when you get to a trend, I think that's, that's more proof of it. So what kind of things are we seeing more of? Do you think we're getting, it seems like in South Dakota, we're getting more flooding. Is that possible? Yeah, and, and across, across the whole world, uh, United States, you know, especially, yeah, that's been happening a lot lately. So, you know, what happens is, without getting too technical, when the world warms up, most of that energy is absorbed by the ocean because the ocean is the biggest part of the, of, of the globe. And, most weather systems develop over the oceans, the Gulf of Mexico, and then move inland. So if you've got more energy 
in the oceans, and that energy and that water, that warm water is evaporating and, and, and uh, turning into storms, I think that's a, a direct cause or, or a direct result of, of climate change. How has TV changed? And that, obviously, we can see that back in the day when you were in Ames, Iowa, and you were yeah. watching TV at your friends, <laughs> everybody watched the same shows. There were three TV yes. channels. And yeah. so you watched the same shows. Everybody the next day at the water cooler is watching the same right. thing. Not how we watch TV today. How has the business changed for you? Um, it, well, as far as weather is concerned, it is, uh, there's, there's so many more things to keep track of technology-wise. And, you know, the social media, you got to stay up with the social media. For example, whereas in the past, if there was a severe thunderstorm warning or tornado warning, you'd, you'd, your job was to get it out on TV. Well, now you have to get it out on Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff, you know, so you have to do all that. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think that the technology is better as far as forecasting is concerned and that type of thing. I'm not sure if that's the question you're asking. I, well, I think you could go that way, but I would say I'm more interested in like what kind of pressures outside of just the the weather department oh. is on news and viewership and, and how people are consuming it. Another way to answer this would be to say, are we going to be watching the 10 o'clock news in 10 years? Yeah. You know, I think we are. Um, I remember here when you were talking with Mike Hendrickson on one of your podcasts, you know, he was talking about how, you know, everybody was talking about the death of radio, you know, even 40 years ago um, and how it was going to go away. But yeah. it's still going strong. There are some changes, you know, obviously. And I heard the same thing about TV, you know, with the, with the Internet coming on that we were going to go away and, and people were going to get their information. And people can still get their info on their phones and, and the Weather Channel and things like that. But I think people still want to have that that local touch, that familiar face that they know is in their community that's going to give them their information they want. So I, I think we really will. I mean, I think TV is going strong. The company that owns us now, and I'm not, you know, just, you know, brown nose or anything like that, um, Gray Television owns us, and they're, and they're expanding all the time. So they're doing great. I mean, they're um, – and, and the way they treat their employees and everything is so, is so awesome. Um, but the way that they're growing and, and – to me, that shows that TV is still going really strong. So was there a time other than right now, because we don't want to insult the company here that's <laughs> keeping these lights on for us, right. but was there a golden age for television and television news that you thought was like, this is the best? I have been here for, th like you said, well, 30, I started here in 1988. So we're talking almost 31 years. It'll be in September 31. Um, but I, I still say that now is, is for, as far as I'm concerned at KSFY, this is, this is the best time. I mean, look at the studio we're in, look at this. Very building. cool. It's, I mean, we moved from 300 North Dakota Avenue, which again has a special place in my heart, but, um, you know, it wasn't the nicest building. Um, yeah. So maybe describe where we're at right now. Well, we're at a place called courthouse square. This building was uh, constructed in 2009 and it basically houses, before we moved here, housed only government folks like FBI, um, U.S. attorney, things like that. And they're still here upstairs. But the bottom two floors were vacant for since I think since 2009. We moved here in 2016. Uh, it's a beautiful building. Um, my favorite thing is the, is the downstairs parking, the underground parking, especially Ooh, in the wintertime yeah. when it's cold and it's heated down there. And and uh, and then when you come up the ramp, the ramp is heated. So the, when the snow comes down, it melts. I mean, it, I've never had that before. I used to, you mentioned the, the porn shop downtown where we used to be by. 
we had to park by there, you know, in the same lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> that the customers use, you know, God bless them. But um, uh, so that's a, that's a nice change, too. And, and it's really secure. I remember in the past at the old place, people could just anybody could walk in and, and go anywhere. Now there's it's secure. I mean, it, we really made some change to security at the old place in the last few years. But this building, especially now that it's you know houses government offices and things like that, it's it's really well. It's almost like a little park out front here too, and I think that was a response to nine eleven, right? Because you have a federal courthouse right across the street, so they kind of took this out as a. You used to be able to drive down this street, right, right, Twelfth Street, yeah. yeah, And now they they've made it like this. Well, we call it the plaza. It's called, and, and then. By the way, we have something called Fridays on the Plaza. So every Friday right yeah. outside the studio, we have music and food trucks and things like that. Um, and uh, we're having a – so that – but it's a really nice area too. So – but you're probably right this is why that's there. You know, so earlier today we found out T. Danny Sanford gave uh, $5 million to the State Theater. Oh, wow. Nice. It, I didn't yeah. hear that. So they're going to be showing movies in spring of 2020. Is that right? Yeah, it was announced this morning. So there's so actually an, a, an end date or a, a date where— That's what they say. Nice. So that's you know that's two blocks away from here, right? Right. You well, know? it's just right across—I mean, it's right across the parking lot here. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I actually went to a movie there— um, Back in 1990, maybe. Yeah, uh, I remember it was it was Glory. Remember that it was a Civil War movie. Oh yeah, Matthew sure. Broderick and uh, Denzel Washington, I think, was in it. It was a really long movie. Yeah, but I I, it, I just loved the State Theater. But that's the only time I was ever able to go there. I think it closed down maybe shortly after that. So that's good news. Yeah, I used to be on the Sioux Falls Film Society board, and we we did a couple showings there of things. And I think it was just at the point where they were starting to get this fundraising thing okay, going. Yeah. And so you know, I've been gone from Sioux Falls since. Oh, 2002? Uh, no, 2000, 2001. Okay. So that's a long time they've been raising money on this thing to yeah, finally it, get it, it going. Yeah, it has been. So that's good to hear. Now, so, I, by the way, I, I know you mentioned you used to you lived in Sioux Falls, and I didn't realize that you worked for the Tempest Magazine. Yeah, which, which by the way, who did they name the best uh, meteorologist? <laughs> that's why I liked it so much. I guess me. Yeah, <laughs> I was looking at your bio on the KSF web. Is it KSFY still there? Is it still on there? And it says that, and I was like, "Oh my god!" A shout out for Tempest. Oh my gosh, uh, the Tempest Magazine. I tell you, we used to. Did it come out every week or every two? It was weeks? every two weeks. We would. I would run down to. Uh, at that point, the, it was called the Brew Pub or whatever. I think they Sioux used to Falls have, Brewing Company. Yes, yeah, they had. They had which a is stand. where we always hung out. Yeah, they had a stand there, and we would rush down there and get the Tempest magazine. Cause yeah, that was pop, it was about the only. I mean, the Argus did do a little entertainment stuff and um, some TV, you know, articles, but. But we always wanted to see if, if there was a mention of anybody, you know, from the TV <laughs> stations in the in the Tempest that week. Yeah. So if you didn't know, Tempest Magazine was a really irreverent biweekly free paper that came out in in Sioux Falls, right. and it was started by Patrick Lally and Craig Ellerbrook. Yep, that's right. Patrick Lally, of course, was. Uh, the big editor at the Argus for years and had a radio show. But um, when I got there, it was towards the tail end, and I always sold ads for them for a little bit, and then I became their editor, and yeah. that was that's what caused me to drop out of school. Oh. I got so obsessed with with the media business sure. that I wanted to start my own, so I moved to Colorado. But we, you know, and now that I'm a little bit older, like a lot older, I realize how we talked about people, and it was kind of. It's kind of nasty oh. at times. <laughs> I, yeah, and, and, and I, as I remember... But I we were nice to you. You were. I was going to say, as I remember, I don't remember anything um, bad being said about me. And I also remember you talk, telling a story in one of your podcasts about he had to go to Sid's Crown Liquor. Uh, yeah, and, which... Which is, is right across the street now. Ace, which is an Ace Hardware really now. Not, yeah, Ace Hardware kind coming of out. Yeah. broke my heart to see that today. Yeah. <laughs> I was in Sid's once, and, it, you know, it was interesting place. <laughs> Very interesting. And you got a comb, like... 
you know, like a comb you'd put in your back pocket. That was like their swag to give out there. It's pretty sweet. I didn't get that. <laughs> oh, we should talk about hair. Okay. Because as I was doing research on you, are you aware that you were runner-up for yeah. best hair in South a couple Dakota years ago. for broadcasters? Brady from a, Mallory got the number one. Brady Mallory. So here's what they say about Phil. Shrek has thick, beautiful hair that fans out in the front like a confident peacock. With wisps of gray, Shrek is as distinguished oh as he is good-looking. Oh, my gosh. And he got runner-up to Brady Mallory from the website called getgoodhead.com. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think they still do that, and Brady wins every year, so I, I, I don't even consider winning anymore. No, but, hey, it wasn't Jay Trobeck, so. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but, that's yeah, what a write-up that was. Oh, my gosh. Like yeah. confident peacock. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so let's talk about you have – you have twins in your household, but yet you find yourself a Kansas City Royals fan. How did that come to be? Uh, well, just uh, for my dad being in the military again, we were stationed in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas from 1969 until 1973. So I would have been eight, eight to 12 age. And, you know, that's when you, I started. I, I had no interest in sports until I was in, I was in Cub Scouts, and in 1970, we had a Cub Scout trip to a Royals game in Kansas City, um, and this was at the old stadium, Municipal Stadium, which is not there anymore. And it was—I still remember—it was—it was, it was um, the Royals against the Baltimore Orioles. And like I said, I didn't have any interest in baseball, but being there, I just got hooked. Just, yeah. Just the, just the sights, the sounds, the smells um, of the ballpark, and just. And at that point, I was hooked on baseball. I started playing baseball. I followed the Royals religiously, and I, I still do. Um, uh, by the way, and, and this is, I'm not saying this because we live in, in the twins country, but twins are my second favorite team. And my wife's a big twins fan. She's from here, from Sioux Falls. And, um, but, um, that's how I became a Royals fan just from being, living down there and going to my first game in, in 1970. So my judgment, and I, I apologize because it's bad for my listeners, but my judgment on twins fans is kind of like a lot of Minnesota fans in other sports is that. When things are good, it's mm. really good. Like there is a fever, right. and all anybody wants to talk about is is Minnesota sports. Right. When it's bad, they are ready to like gut the team, fire the yeah. coaches, start over, burn it down. Well, p- people are passionate, you know. <laughs> but I feel like Kansas City Royal fans are baseball fans because we've had so many terrible years. Yes, that, that and if, we're we're in the. If you've stuck with it. You yes, were a fan from nineteen. I mean, there's been a lot of bad years. I mean, like I said, seventy was. My first year, my first game, uh, the Royals started getting good in the mid seventies, and they were good till the mid eighties, and then they had a really, really long low. Twenty nine years before they yeah. even got the playoffs again. Yeah, in in twenty fourteen, and then of course they made the World Series. They won the World Series in twenty fifteen, and then since then, though, it's been a downhill slog again. I hope it's not another twenty nine years. Yes, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I I'm still a fan of them, and uh, the one thing though is, you don't want to. I like to go to games, but I don't want to spend that money to see a bad team. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I Absolutely. still like the Royals, but and I'll watch them on TV. I'll listen to them on the radio. But still, the best sport to listen to on the radio. Oh yeah, um, I love listening to games on it. Like if I'm driving somewhere, a long trip, that makes the time pass so fast. You know, whether it's baseball or football or anything. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, I, it, I have like my two boys. If I take my two boys and my wife and and go to a game. You're easily going to spend at least a hundred dollars, at know? least, and well, then with parking and everything, and yeah. it's just a lot of money to see bad baseball. So I don't, 
you know, I can complain about that, I guess, but I, did you go see good baseball? Did you go see the world series years? I, for the Royals? I, I went down there, uh, and saw some games during the season, not, yeah. not actual playoff or world series games. I mean, that's just so expensive. I went to game one of the year they lost 2014. Yeah. So, oh. so I got to see Madison Baumgartner just like so, knock us out and, yeah. you know, I guess exciting if you're, if you're a Giants fan or if you like defense, but boy, yeah. to make that trip down there and just watch a thud of, <laughs> you remember how much you spent for that ticket? Or? Um, so we had a weird situation because one of my lawyer friends down the street, his brother is a co-owner of the, Omaha Storm Chasers. Oh, yeah. And they're the affiliate team. Sure. So we, we bought them at cost. Oh, wow. So I think it was like $173. That's and great. we were the third baseline, like Lower 20 level. rows up. Yeah. Wow. And uh, it was it was ridiculously oh, cheap nice. for World Series. Right. Well, you know, and going back to the Twins, you know, I love going to a game when the team is good. Yeah. Like downtown Minneapolis, you know, if, the excite you can just feel the excitement in the air, you know, when you go to a game. And I, you know, I love sitting outside, eating dinner or something, or lunch outside the stadium. Uh, we go to that. Um, there's right outside the stadium. There's this English restaurant. I can't think of the name. Uh, of it. Brits Pub. Is that that could be? That's a little ways away from it, but maybe that's not the one. Anyway, we you go there and 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 have a have something to eat, and then just walk right over to the stadium, a five yeah. minute walk or something, and and just the excitement in the air. I mean, it's good when the twins are good. Yeah, and the, you know, such different cities because in Kansas City we got to go way out yeah. on the edge of town, and we gotta we have this uh, we're isolated from town. Yes. However, that can be cool because sometimes they actually tailgate for baseball. Right, I, when they're good, they That's have true. room to tailgate. That is fun. You make your own. You make your own fun there. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is you know, people are, are talking about maybe building a, a downtown ballpark, and I, I can't in Kansas City. I can't see that happening. No, me I mean, neither. they just spent. How many millions of dollars uh, upgrading yeah. the stadium? The stadiums are great. The, the football and baseball stadiums are great. One so. thing I like about the Royal Stadium versus the Twins Stadium too uh, is that there's so much more room. It's not claustrophobic, so True. it's very steep at oh. Target Field, yes. you know. And yeah. um, and sometimes you'll get in these traffic patterns where it's very you don't feel like you're moving. Yeah. Whereas in Kansas City, it's like the the aisles are thirty feet yep. wide. Yeah. Yep. More given that. But we need to talk about Sioux Falls and why you chose to stay. Because I assume when you were a younger man, you probably thought, uh, bigger market. Let's yep. get out of here. Let's go see the city. Let's yes. go enjoy it. Exactly what it was. Where did you want to go? Um, I would have loved to have been in Minneapolis or Kansas City or Denver. Not not you know huge cities. I mean, I, I like big city life, but not really big city. Yeah. So I, I could see myself in, in Minneapolis or Omaha, Denver, Kansas city, places like that. So that's what I figured I would be doing after I, when I first moved here in 1988, I signed a two year contract. I figured I'd do my two years, you know, get tapes together. At that time you actually used actual videotapes to VHS re- tapes. You'd yeah. Well, they were actually even bigger, you know, bigger than VHS, but uh, there were actual tapes that, whereas everything now is done digitally, you know, Oh, oh, I bet you that's our photographer. Uh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, where was I? Oh, 1988, um, coming into to Sioux Falls. I think I would just be here for a couple of years and then move on. But um, a year in, I met my the, the person who was going to become my wife, and she's from Sioux Falls. And, and, I, and I fell in love with Sioux Falls, and, and uh, you know, they treat me, they've treated me great ever since I've been here. Uh, we've had many, many different owners, but I've had the good fortune of... of being treated pretty well by all all the ownership groups 
but the town in general. So we've talked about how downtown has changed, how it's been more interesting. You and I are going to grab a bite to eat after this, yep. and you gave me a, a host of options that wouldn't have existed oh. 15 years ago. When I first moved here, there was nothing to do. I was 27, um, single. There was nothing really to do for somebody my age. Downtown was, for the most part, dead. Um, if you wanted to do something, you have to go to the, out to the mall, you know, to, to have any excitement at all, it seemed like. Um, but it's changed so much lately. Yeah. It, it, even in the, just the last 10 years, so, so much more vibrant, so many more things to do downtown. Um, you know, I, I guess I would have liked to have, have had the, the, the Premier Center um, built downtown. Uh, I think that would have been great, but I don't, you know, looking back on it now, I don't know how the parking and everything would have gone. Yeah. I, I don't know. There, there was a big debate about that. But still, I mean, the Levitt shell now and everything, it, there's so many things to do now for kids. Yeah, so if you, if you don't know, the Levitt shell is, is taken over essentially like an old industrial area. And, right. it's, and it's now a free public concert area right. that's got weekly concerts paid for by a foundation. Right. Or subsidized at least by a, a big grant program. And so free concerts every weekend. Yeah. You know? And uh, that whole Phillips Avenue, they, they call it Phillips to the Falls. I know when they first envisioned that, um, it didn't seem like it was going to come to fruition, but it, it really has now. So, it, it, yeah, it's great. As the entertainment has gotten better in Sioux Falls mm -hmm. and the food options have gotten better and all of these fun things, is it the kind of place you think your kids are going to want to live in? Is it the place they may end up? It's hard to say. Um, my son, Jake, is in Madison teaching English at high school up there. My daughter, Madeline, who just graduated from University of Minnesota, she wants to stay in the Minneapolis area. She's kind of a big city girl. Um, she, I think she got that in her blood. She was in cheerleading, you know, competitive cheerleading when she was younger and they yeah. would take all these trips to different towns and cities. And she, I think she just loved the big city life. So she's, she's going to, I think, stay in the Minneapolis area. My daughter, Maddie, um, I think she's probably going to stay in the Sioux Falls vicinity. The boys, it's hard to say. I, I just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd like them to, I mean, I think it's a great place for somebody to grow up and make a living, but who knows? They grew up in a much different world than you did, not only in terms of, of options, but just in terms of they've lived in this town their entire life, and you had to move around every couple of years. Right, yeah. And, you know, and it was a change for me. I, I, but I, as I mentioned before, I just I fell in love with the place, even especially now with all the, you know, the, the way that it's grown. We've grown, I think when I first moved here, it was about 80, 89,000 people. Now we're at maybe 189. Yeah, so, right. And but it, it, But we've grown, but I don't think we've had that many growing pains. As as many maybe some other cities have had, so still always thought they would have maybe fixed that Twenty Sixth Street across town, but I guess that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, it's happening. They're doing it now. What do you well, mean? Oh, well, well, I mean the Twenty Sixth Street I Twenty Nine. Oh, you're talking about over here. I was oh. talking about like cutting through the oh, old uh, oh, golf course. Oh, that's never going to happen. I don't think that's ever going to happen. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I don't. It's hard. You know, I don't want to. I'm not going to tell them you have to stay in Sioux Falls, boys. So I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're going to go visit them wherever they're at. Oh sure. Yeah. So. What about you then? Where does your career look like? You know, How many more years are you going to be doing this? You've been doing it 34. Yep. Uh, is KSFY the last stop for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't think anybody's going to hire an almost, you know, I'm 58 years old, you know. I yeah. Mean, I, don't, I don't know who's going to hire. I, I'm not looking. I mean, I, I love Sioux Falls. I love KSFY. And I, I suppose I'll be here as long as they'll have me. And now, I, Doug Lund obviously was a news anchor, different kind of guy. But some like him and Steve Hemmingson, they did the business until they're probably they were 70, huh? Maybe. Uh, and I, 
I could see doing that, I, I suppose, if if they'd have me and if I still have the faculties about me, you know, to to do that. I mean, I, I don't know what I would do. I, anything else. I, I don't know what else I, I would, would be doing. Um, I do sometimes in the back of my mind, you know, we talked about living in Korea. I would, I, in the back of my mind, I, I, I think, would a Korean restaurant do well in Sioux Falls? Oh, sure. Um, well, it, isn't there one or a couple? I'm trying to remember. Oh, I had some good bulgogi. Really? Um, and they were, they've moved around a few, th- I, but I think they do a lot of Asian dishes. So not oh, just oh, right, focused on right. Korean. It, 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 but like the barbecue, Korean barbecue. Yes. When I first moved here, there, there, were no, there were no Japanese restaurants. There were very few Chinese restaurants, maybe Szechuan and then maybe the Canton Cafe, which really wasn't, that's more like an Americanized yeah. uh, Chinese restaurant. There's very few selections for Chinese. There was no no Thai food. I don't think there still isn't. There was one Thai restaurant for a while. Um, but there's now there's Indian restaurant, you know, uh, Indian Himalayan kind of restaurants around town. So I think a Korean restaurant would do well. I have no idea. I have no business acumen. That's why I kind of envy people like you who have started a business. It's scary, you know, to start your own business and get all that money and 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 you know you have to. I guess borrow money from investors yeah, and, right. and then you spend money and, and what if, what if it goes down? You know, what about my kids? What am I going to do? Um, but I, I think it, I, I would love to open a Korean restaurant sometime. That's the only other thing I think I would want to do. <laughs> I think, I think you're, uh, you're on the right track by talking about money, 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 because that is the thing in business people forget about. They think it's all income, but man, is it just constant expenses right. and, and recapitalizing and, uh, and I if, have no, no idea how to any of that works. Yeah. So you can figure it out. Yeah. I think we're, we'll be launching your podcast here pretty soon. Don't you think? Oh yeah. yeah. You know, I, I've thought about doing a podcast yeah. too, whether talking about just weather stuff or, you know, I, you know, I, I'm into, uh, even though I'm a weatherman, I love sports. Uh, I love politics. I mean, I could talk about all kinds of stuff. So, and you know, I think podcasting is great. Now, are there ratings that you guys still see? Do they hand out sheets and say, all right, here's how sports is doing. Here's how weather's doing. It's never really broken down like that, although sometimes they, do, they will do research. They will hire companies to do research to, to say, okay, here's how you compare with other, the other stations in, in different um, aspects, whether it's weather yeah. or you know, weather, uh, sports or anything like that. But as far as actual ratings are concerned, We've gone away from, you know, it used to be the Nielsen ratings where people would get uh, a, a diary in the mail and they yeah. were supposed to like mark down everything they watched at certain times, which is a really bad way to do things because most people, if, you know, it's just human nature to put things off to the very end. So I think it turns out what happens is a lot of people will like, oh, I got to send this in tomorrow. What did I watch on Monday? Oh, I think it was this. I think it was this. Um, but now it's gone more towards what they call metered market market research or metered ratings where it actually automatically can track what you're watching. Yeah. So I think that's a much well, more Well, not accurate. to mention that when, when you're filling out a diary, you're, you're maybe not going to put your guilty pleasures on there, that right? That could be too, yeah. And so it's maybe not as honest as, right. as doing it this other way. Yeah, but, but we don't really – we usually have staff meetings like every three months – and then we'll, we'll be informed about how our ratings are doing and, and things like that. So, Is there a hierarchy here, though, 
is there a hierarchy here where the weather guys walk through and everybody's like, look out, here they come. Here comes the celebrities. Is it the sports guys? Is it the anchors? No. Is it pretty flat? No, it's all, I mean, we're, we're all level ground here, you know? So we, I mean, we all get along. That's another thing I like about, love about KSFY is we, we all get along. I mean, I, I don't spend much time in the newsroom, so I can't speak for what's yeah. like in there. But as far as the anchor people and things like that, um, we all we all get along great. But Sean Cable's got the golden voice. I've I've yeah. heard him sing. He is a good singer. He's a great <laughs> singer. In fact, when he even when he worked at Kello and we were competitors, I remember him singing the national anthem at the Dakota Bowl with O'Gorman and whoever was playing that night years ago. And I I emailed him. I said, "Man, you got to go on American Idol or something. You're really good." So, but yeah, he's got a great voice. But let us not forget, Shrek has thick, beautiful hair <laughs> that fans out in the front like a confident peacock. Exactly. Well, thanks for sharing your story with me today and uh, all the listeners. And what's the rest of your day going to be? We're going to go get lunch, and then what? I'm going to go get lunch. I'll probably go home and get into my suit, come back to work, and, uh, and do the weather thing. Well, thanks a lot, Phil Shrek. And if you like today's episode of The Lanyard, we'll be doing it again next week. Be sure to share this out with anybody who'd get a kick out of it. Find us on any podcast platform. Thank you. 